Hey, ladies, you may know that this whole week I'm with you live in the I'm Ready Retreat. I want you to get a glimpse of what's going on there. You can always join us live inside our Facebook group or get all the video replays and the homework exercises by registering at yaeltrush.com forward slash retreat. We have over 200 women registered from all over the world and the energy inside our private Facebook group is unbelievable. So come on over, register and head over there. But here's a taste of what's been happening inside the retreat. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, ladies. Here we are. Are we ready? Hey, Blanca Italia. Oh my gosh. I love having my past students here. Tell me where you guys are joining us from. Tell me where you're joining us from as people. Florida. Oh my gosh. I love Florida. Love Florida. Love Florida. Okay. Everybody can see us. Okay. Louisiana. I don't think I ever had a student from Louisiana. Welcome, Kathleen. Houston, Texas. My neighborhood, beautiful Mexico, Miami, close to my heart. What can I tell you? Okay, so let's get started. What brought you guys, ladies, here to talk about this topic? I mean, come on, let's face it. This is one of those topics. (laughs) Taboo, right? Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody talks about it. But it's so important. So I just want to say that you guys are heroes, ladies, because really, for some of us, It's so uncomfortable. Tell me in the chat if you've ever felt this, right? Like it's so uncomfortable to talk about money and people really need know that they should be here. They should be learning about money. They should be in a space like this, but it's still really uncomfortable. Yet you are here. So you guys rock. You're amazing. I'm so proud of you. Hey, Dania. And you should be super, super proud of yourselves. Okay. So let's give each other some hearts in the chat or some party poppers or something to celebrate each other because really this is a life-changing topic. Okay. And I know, yes, Hanas is very uncomfortable and I know you've been working on that. And I think after these five days, it's not going to be as uncomfortable. I am pretty sure of that. And I know we have close to 200 women registered to this retreat. And maybe, Justina, maybe we even have more. And I haven't checked the latest numbers. So for those of you who are watching us live, for those of you who are watching the replay, we are going to have an amazing time. Okay, so here's, yes, Blanky, very little discussion about money. Yep. So we're going to change that. Let's do some housekeeping. First of all, I want you all to come here with an open heart and an open mind because this is going to be different from the way most of you have heard or learned about money um, in a really, really good way. I really mean it. And you also want to bring pen and paper because I go a million miles an hour. You're going to want to take notes. And also we're going to do exercises together. So I want you to have, you know, obviously if you're driving, then you don't want to do that, but that's why the replays are here. And, um, and more, more important, like really want to drive this point home is that 
we, I'm all about action and my, my students know that. Yeah. All of you who've been in my programs before, I really, really believe in action. I mean, that's a Jewish concept in and of itself, right? The action, action is the most important thing. And I don't let anybody off the hook. Um, I really don't. When you're in my program, it's all about implementing. It's all about, we're not here about just consuming the content and being a spectator. We're here to become active agents of our life. And, and so this same, same thing applies for this retreat. So we're going to be doing stuff together, you know, and that's why I want to share with you that we are going to have some homework for you to do every day. And don't worry. I know this kind of triggers like high school memories, but nobody's grading you and it's not going to be hard. It's going to be short and powerful. And this is for you. Nobody's looking at it. Nobody's grading at you. Obviously, you know, we want to look at it. We want you to share because that's part of normalizing the conversation and getting comfortable. This is not about the grade. This is not about perfection. This is about doing this is about taking action. This is for you. This is to help you concretize the learning and really make the most of this experience, this five-day experience. And because I like to keep people incentivized to do what I think it's good for them to do, I'm going to be raffling prices every day to those who submit the homework. So also on top of that, we are going to be raffling half scholarships to my coaching program, which I'll tell you about a little bit later on. And on top of that, somebody who does the homework consistently for five days in a row could also win a full scholarship to the program. So we're actually going to be raffling that. So there's a lot of incentives this week, um, a lot of good reasons why you should be engaged. You should make the most of this five-day experience. We've craft, crafted it for you so that you really gain a lot from here. And and also, I want to say that the homework is actually quite enjoyable. It's not you know, like people really gain a lot of insight from doing these exercises. So enjoy. And to that, I might as well add that we have amazing mentors in this retreat. We have the most special, wonderful late group of ladies who are here to make sure that you are enjoying, that you are making the most of it, that you, if you have questions, they can answer, they can help you. If you feel some resistance towards something, they can help you through it. If they're here to encourage you, to lift you up. So make sure to look for your mentor and, and, and really tap the resource, DM them, reach out to them. I know, Justina, you can put in the chat later on the picture of the mentors in case people still haven't found their mentor. We've organized them by um, first letter of your last name. So that's an amazing, amazing um, thing that we have for you. And again, these ladies, they're well-versed in what I teach. They've taken my programs and they just have a heart of gold. They're here for you. And I see them here. I see their comments. I love you. Yes, Marla, Dania, all of you. Okay. So that's for housekeeping. Who is ready? <laughs> Tell me in the chat. Tell me in the chat. Yes. I see a lot of hearts. Yes. Who is ready? I want to tell you something. I feel like, I feel like I've been ready for this moment <laughs> all my life, pretty much. I mean, I've done these retreats a couple of times. I did them in Spanish several times. Dani has been part of them. Jacqueline says she's ready. But really, I want to tell you something. In my journey as a communicator in the Jewish world, a writer, a speaker, a podcast host, I'm sure many of you in the group know me from any of those, you know, vehicles or all of them. I don't know. Teaching women. I've been able to go all over the world, thank God, in front of many, many audiences of Jewish women. And 
I kept noticing over the years that there was one pain point that nobody was talking about. And that was money. And it really, uninterestingly enough, it really had nothing to do with a person's particular financial situation. There was, there was a pain point around this, whether they were high income earners or not. And it really, it really touched me to see this because, hey, Shoshana, hey, Cynthia, because this had been, interestingly enough, something, an area which I had undergone a lot of healing and a lot of progress. And as many as of you have, maybe you've heard me say the story, you know, I did have my own struggles with money, despite the fact that I had studied finance and I had an MBA and I worked in banking, um, you know, which goes to show that 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 doesn't say anything, right? I had had my own struggles and I really hadn't faced them until I was married. And there was, you may remember, some of you may remember, there was this global recession. There was, uh, you might remember the, the stock market crash of 2008. And that's when I really put my big girl, my big skirt girl, my oh, my big girl skirt on, right? That's when I really like started adulting finally. And surely, surely now, you know, slowly but surely, I really, I remember with my husband, we started take facing our, our money mindset and our money habits, our financial habits. And what was really interesting about this was that we realized that the money stuff itself, like the technical part really wasn't the hard part. It would, we knew that we understood that we had been trained in that both of us, but yet there was like something much more fundamental that had been going on. And what really, really, as we started doing this work, what really started moving the needle in our financial lives. Yes. Talia crying for 2008, (laughs) What really started moving the needle was not honing in on our personal finance skills per se. I mean, that's really important, but there was a lot more to that. And what really did it for us was implementing Jewish concepts, many of which we're going to discuss and we're going to learn about together during this retreat, which um, if I'm really, really honest with you, ladies, I say we had probably, yeah, no, not probably. We have been given lip service to. I th- and I think that, that, that that's just what I'm seeing all around. That's, that's, that's the thing that I see. Like we, we kind of know these things, but we're giving them lip service. We're really not integrating into our lives. We're really not applying them. And so going back to me observing women, as I observed women, I noticed that there was something about the relationship with money that I couldn't in so many ways relate to because I'd undergone this process. But like, I felt like they felt that this relationship was sort of rocky or it didn't feel wholesome or complete or an integrity, you know, and and maybe, maybe put in the chat if that, that kind of like sounds like you, like it felt broken or again, yeah, confusing, like something is not working. And I said, somebody has to talk to women about this and nobody really is. <laughs> and I remember having a conversation with Julie. I don't know if Julie Starr is here, but years ago and saying, well, you know, maybe God wants me to be the one. <laughs> um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in day four about mission and monetizing our mission. But yes, thankfully, I'm here. I've been doing this for a while and I'm excited to do this. So I want to hear on the chat. I'm looking at comments, but I can't read all of them yet. I want to see on the chat. Do you feel like 
money in some way is a pain point. Give me, give me, you know, and maybe you don't know what the pain point exactly is, but it's some sort of pain point. Like I was seeing like women all over the world experiencing, give me a one in the chat. Do you feel like it's a pain point? Give me a two, if not so much, you know, and it, the pain point could be, I just don't have it, or I don't understand it, or I don't know how to talk about it, or I have fights about it. Natalie says not one, she says a hundred percent. I have a lot of money, but I also have a lot of debt. I see that often, or I have a lot of money, but I also have a lot of worry or fear. I don't have a lot of money, but I have tons of worries. So, you know, it's on and on and on. It's complex. And um, definitely life is so expensive. Lani says, yes, pain points. Yes, yes, yes. Listen, I, I'll tell you something. Obviously, we are, we, we're going to get rid of that. We, our goal is to try to start getting rid of that. Marcy, come on. No, we got to change that. We got to change that. It's such a taboo topic. And we're going to change that. We're going to change the discomfort. Also, listen, we didn't really get an education. We didn't get proper education or modeling. And certainly, as I've told many of you before, no Jewish education or modeling or the right mindset, Jewish mindset and management tools, etc. So okay, so I'm hearing a lot of pain points, people are describing the pain points. Thank you, Talia, not so much after learning with you. Yeah, very good. Okay, so listen, we're in this together. Okay, we're in this together. So the first thing that I think we need to address is the, the first secret, as I like to call it, is that we need to acknowledge that there is a relationship, that we have a relationship with this thing called money. And we need to give that relationship the proper perspective, the Jewish perspective. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what is that Jewish perspective that we're all sort of lacking or we're not really integrating and apply, integrating into our practical, like actionable, actionable life, right? So let's start with the acknowledgement that there is this relationship with this thing we call money. And like any relationship, we know that we have to cultivate it and we have to cultivate it in the right way. We have to give it the proper attention and the proper nourishment. And we often don't, right? What, ha- what tends to happen is that really we give it a lot of attention, but uh, tell me in the chat, is it the right kind of attention? Like we always, we tend to give it negative attention, right? Or it's, we give it this proportionate attention in either direction. It's either too much or too little, right? For so, for many of us, it's like neg- a lot of negative attention. And for others is, completely ignore it, right? Which is also not a good thing as we will show, we will see very, very soon, right? Because imagine, imagine God gives, well, not imagine, God gave us a body, right? We have a body to use in this world. And it's very interesting because I had this beautiful conversation about this idea with Rabbi Chase Taub on the podcast. I don't know if you heard it. It was fascinating. But God gives us a body to say, for example, in this world, right? We have a physical body. Imagine you ignore it. Imagine you don't take care of it. You don't clean yourself. You don't eat the proper foods. You don't sleep. You don't maintain it, right? Or obviously the opposite. You over, you exaggerate how much care, it's an excessive, obsessive attention to that body. That's also not good, right? So what, what really is interesting about this relationship, though, that we have with money is that and perhaps different from other relationships in our lives is that we tend to project a ton onto money, like crazy, we project like crazy onto money, we project our self worth, we project our confidence, our maturity, there's so much that you project into this thing called money, right? And we have this sort of like, um, entanglement like this, like we have it all entangled with our worth, with our sense of purpose, with our worth. There's so much emotion 
that that we put into it, a lot of emotions um, into money. You know, I remember reading this, um, and I, and and I'll say that yes, it generates a lot of emotions for people, and a lot of why it generates such charged emotions is because we don't have the proper mindset, right? The proper perspective. But also something very interesting that I was sharing with the ladies in Miami like about two months ago is that you know we're not all to blame for this. Honest, obviously, we're here about taking responsibility, but I just want to give you context, right? Part of the reason we don't really have the right perspective is if you think about it, we have been as a nation in exile for thousands of years, right? Very, very, a very long exile. And I can I add the word dark? It's pretty dark. So that's why we're here to bring more light. But just like we've adopted, you might have noticed that we've adopted many, many perspectives and behaviors in so many areas of our lives, marriage, intimacy, business, parenting, you know, the way we eat, the way we dress, the way we work, all sorts of things that are really more reflective of other cultures' views and paradigms and not reflective of our Judaism, right? What God expects from us, what the blueprint for life, the blueprint of life for life that he gave us, right? So we have a lot of that. Well, the same thing has happened with regards to money, to wealth, to abundance, to our finances, right? When it comes to money, ladies, we don't always think, speak, and behave as Jews should. And this is what we're trying to change, right? So how do we, what is the Jewish perspective? That really is a question. What is the Jewish perspective? And how do we then like actualize it? How we start bringing it into action? What are the, some of the things? And let's, so let's, let's, let's take these five days to really try to uncover that together. Okay. So are you with me? Cause I'm going to start now with the emotional entanglement. I really want to dive deep into that. I want to see in the chat who is with me. Very, Hannah Victoria says, too little, too little um, attention. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the emotions. Okay. Because many of us grew up assuming, I see my lovely sister-in-law here, assuming that money was all about spreadsheets and calculators and mathematics, (laughs) right? It's like, you know, like this thing, nobody told us that there were so many emotions, right? And for some, the emotions are fear, anxiety, paralysis, I don't know, worry, lack of confidence, insecurity, many, many emotions. And, and it's like this, there was this article in the New York Times, uh, I think last year, I remember sharing it on my social media about the emotional charge of, of, of money and how it comes up. And it comes up at some point in our adult lives. Why? Because at some point, tell me if this is true, you're going to have to talk about money, right? You're going to have to communicate with somebody (laughs) other than yourself. You do that all the time about money, either whether it be your first roommate, whether it be, you know, your parents, whether it be your fiance, your spouse, your boss, right? You're going to have to have conversations. And all of a sudden these conversations, this becomes really, really uncomfortable. And it's like, wait, I wasn't expecting that. It's like, I, I ran into a fence that I didn't know was electric. It's like a major shock, right? We don't expect it. We thought this was just math. We thought it was a spreadsheet. Like, why is this thing so, so uncomfortable, right? Which is, again, why it's so impressive. Like I told you in the beginning that you're all here doing this work. Okay. So, and also that you're doing it together because there is something to be said for the fact that we are together as a group of women learning about this means we're really 
normalizing the conversation that is often not happening, right? Something that should have happened from early, early on, something we should have been learning about from the beginning since we were children. It should have never been taboo. It should have never been a secret. It shouldn't have never been negative. It should have never been charged with shame or achiness or any of that. And yet we find that in many, many cases, there was a lot of that, right? And we haven't gotten to the root of that. For example, we look, you'll like this example, Barbie, Barbara, we look at our debt level, right? By the way, Barbara is a hero because she's like debt free now, but (laughs) I have to brag. Okay. So we look at our debt level, right? And we feel something and we think, you know, there's all these thoughts and these behind these emotions that are not all positive. And we think like, Oh my gosh, how to get myself into this. And we have all these negative thoughts about ourselves and so uncomfortable. I don't want to deal with it. Like, why should, why should I deal with it? It's, it's like stare, the numbers staring at me in the face. And there's nothing that I feel that makes me want to take action. It just wants me to run away in the opposite direction. Right. Or. I say, I set an income goal. How many of us try, you know, we just, oh, I'm going to set an income goal, right? For the next year. And then I look at it and I, and I panic. I panic. How can I get there? There's no way. I'm not that good. I'm not this. I'm not that. And we start getting into all the house. And we're going to talk about this a lot during these five days. Like we start getting into, I, I really like calling it God's department, getting into the house, right? And there went that income goal. I'm paralyzed or I self-sabotage or I end up And I end up not working towards that goal. So, you know, we got to get that this is happening. I'll give you another one. We look at savings. I know so many of us are trying to save and it's like, why can I really ever move ahead? I decide I want to save. I look at the current number of savings, savings number, and I'm so deflated by it. Like, okay, how am I going to get there? And I start, right, blah, 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 blah. And I don't want to see it. So I don't make progress, right? Does any of this start sounding a little bit familiar? Yes, debt level, oy vey. Yes, Hannah Victoria says oy vey probably means I don't want to look at it. I don't want to deal with it, okay? <laughs> because listen, guys, there's a lot that we've absorbed about money that is really in our subconscious. And the subconscious is always going to try to protect us from the discomfort. And what's the discomfort? That emotional discomfort. But really, it's the inner work that we're going to have to do, right? Which is obviously uncomfortable. And it's also something interesting is remember that the subconscious is also looking for evidence of what it believes to be true. And we're going to dive into this um, right now in an exercise I want to do with you. Um, So we want to bring awareness to what is it that I really believe about money, which I don't, I don't really know. I just, I just operate on autopilot, right? I, I operate, I function based on certain beliefs that I'm not really aware of. It's really on autopilot. So I need that awareness so that I could change it if I need to change it, right? If I need to change the patterns of behavior, I need to be aware of where are they coming from first, right? It's like I was just setting the thermostat in my house just now because it's freezing, right? If I set the 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 heater or the AC to a certain temperature, I set it to 73, let's say, right? It's going to make sure that if the house gets, let's say it's the AC, if the house gets hotter than 73, it'll blow air until the house gets to 73, right? It's the, There's a thermostat that's working. Same thing is here. So if I see certain patterns in my adult life, like I always end up in the same level of debt. Why, can, why am I always around $5,000 in debt? I, I, right? Or I can't get past a certain level of savings. I just can't. Like I, I say I want, you know, more savings 
And it's just like, somehow I always end up in the 5k mark or something or pass a certain income, right? We hit like that income ceiling and we kind of stay there, right? There's things are happening that are keeping me there. Listen, they're not just happening to us. They're happening for us. They're happening for us to either keep the thermostat or change the thermostat, right? And most people can't see this. They just fall. We just fall into the reactive pattern the fam- that keeps us in the familiar, that very familiar place in that comfort zone. And even though we say we don't want to be there, there's a strong force that it's pulling us to be there because there's so much inner work to do, right? So it's not just the numbers. It's not just the mathematics, right? So tell me in the chat if you can relate to this thermostat idea. If you think that you've experienced such a thing where you're like, oh, it's like I can't, like I'm always kind of there. Yes, Dania, looking at the numbers is so transformational. Yes, which is something that we do. We're not going to look at our numbers yet. We're not going to look at them in our five in our five days together. But it's something that Dania, you know, and all my students do. We really do once you're in my contained program because it really takes a space where we can hold each other, where I can help you through the resistance of looking at numbers. But looking at numbers is so incredible. Um, it's so difficult, and I recognize it, and that's why I. Really really do it in, in inside my my program where we can really dive in and learn what are these get get really clear clear on what are these numbers telling me and, and now how do I move from 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 there so let's do an exercise yay we have friends from Israel let's do an exercise why don't we get pen and paper i want i want pen and paper because i want you to write something okay always working so tell me in the chat if you are ready to do an exercise with me pen and paper okay no one's going to see this. It's all for you. I mean, you can share in the chat. Um, but, you know, if you only if you want to. Yes. Okay. I see thumbs up. We got pen and paper. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to finish the following statements with the first thing that comes to your mind. And again, be super honest. First, th- first thing that comes to mind. This is for you. We're not judging it. This is for you to see what comes up for you to bring awareness. Okay. Number one, money is money is you can share in the chat if you want to. Um, again, normalizing the conversation, but you don't have to money is give me a thumbs up when you're ready for the second one. And I probably, I know there's a little bit of a delay on Facebook. You're probably ready. Should I move on with the second one? Money is if anybody wants to share. Money is. Yes. Sabrina says a tool. Panina says a tool. Nice. Nice. A commodity. Gold. A gift. Freedom. Tool. All right. Wealthy people are. Wealthy people are. Expansive. I think that's answer for number two from Dania. Okay. You can share in the chat if you want to. Money is opportunity. I see somebody. Okay. Wealthy people are. Empowered to give people. They are people. Nice, nice, Azzy. Blessed, successful. They get over their fear and they go for it. Lucky. All right. Number three, poor people are. Poor people are. Let's finish with the first thing that comes to mind. You can share in the chat if you want to. Ruth says intelligent, fortunate, either smart or lucky, humble, victims, humble, down on their luck. Okay. And Justina's doing a great job. She's actually posting these sentences there in case 
case somebody missed it. Okay. Next one is if I'm financially successful, dot, 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 finish the statement. If I'm financially successful, what? This is for you. And this might be a little bit more nuanced, but just whatever comes to mind. If I'm financially successful, I don't have to work. Poor people are not educated, right? If I'm financially successful, give me a thumbs up if you're ready for me to move to the next one. I'm where I want to be. I would love to help others do the same. I will be able, better able to live in alignment with my values. I can chill back. (laughs) All right. The greatest indicator of financial success is the greatest indicator of financial success is taking care of others. That is so nice. And we'll talk about we'll talk about giving tomorrow and we'll see what that's all about and how sometimes we'll dive in deeply into the taking care of others tomorrow. The greatest indicator of financial success is happiness, alignment, being able to give generously, pay my bills and have money left over. Give me a thumbs up if I can move to the last one. Generosity. We'll talk about generosity tomorrow. This is a big one, big topic, cash flow. When I have to ch- charge, I feel blank secure. When I have to charge, I feel blank. I will actually dedicate a whole day of the retreat to this day number five. We'll actually talk about a lot of this. When I have to charge, I feel valued, nervous. Nicole, I think you're going to see a lot of people can relate to you. I want you to observe those answers. Really, there's there's no there's no judgments here. Awesome. My aunt says she's done a lot of work on this. Amazing. Good job. Good job. This is really this is really about observing. This is really about awareness. It's about what what comes out for you. Are there any surprises um, that you you didn't even think like would come up? Are there any contradictions or there may be any conflicting beliefs or emotions there? Like it's really, it's, it's all about you seeing what, what, it, what, it, what is this? What is, what is this saying? Right. Because I want you to notice that if, if we think, and again, not, not judging any, anybody in particular, but just diving into a little bit of what the things that we might uncover here is like, let's say I believe that rich people are selfish, right? Let's say I, I wrote selfish, which I've got gotten those answers before in different and other retreats, right? It was very cute because I used to get it in, in, in the Spanish retreat. I used to get it in this, the, the English word, which I, I thought was really cute. It was more powerful. But anyway, it's like a language nuance. But anyway, let's say we got such an answer. Rich people are selfish. Well, nobody here wants to be selfish. I know that for a fact, right? Like we're not selfish people, oh, but I know that I want to be prosperous and I want abundance and I want to be rich. I want to live a more abundant life. So my subconscious is really not going, this doesn't work. There's a contradiction. It's not really going to let me do that, achieve that because I'm not a selfish person. I would never compromise that. Like I would never become an, a selfish type of person, right? And also remember that we we can find evidence really everywhere if we really about people who are rich who are selfish and people who are rich who are not selfish tons right so in fact if we actually got really really factual and statistical we probably we're going to see that the richest people in the world are actually the most generous people right who create a lot of tremendous amount of impact and and positive impact with their money sharing their money with others so and of course we can find evidence of people who are poor and are selfish and evidence of people who are poor who are not selfish not at all right so 
we just want to notice what is coming up for us because if I've created this belief that being rich is negative and it's being selfish, then that's going to impact how I behave with my money. It's going to prevent me from moving forwards in whatever ways I say I want, right? Um, so if I'm seeing conflict, if I'm seeing misgivings, if I'm seeing, I, I say, wait, well, that's not what I want, right? I want to donate a lot more money than I do today. I want to make more money so I could donate more. I want to have more guests. I want to send my kids to certain schools. I want my business to prosper and impact a lot of people. Then I have to notice what's going on here because I might not want to continue operating on that script. I want, I might want to become the editor of that script and I might want to do it pronto. (laughs) The sooner the better, right? And so 80% of the work here is awareness, really. Okay. Knowing what I'm up against, where am I holding? What's my inner script? Because it will stop me. Okay. Again, I want to eliminate debt. And I find a way again to get myself in debt. I want to make more money and I will find a way to not negotiate for myself or to not charge the clients or whatever it is. I, or I want to give and somehow I'm not giving enough. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. It's one of the biggest things I get asked a lot, right? So, oh no, well, I don't have enough. So how can I give? We'll talk about that, right? So we have to know what's going on. Okay. So now that we understand this is entangled, there's a lot here. Let's gain some perspective that will help us shed some light on those beliefs and even start chattering them. Let's talk about what is money from a Jewish perspective. So number one, the first thing we need to get is that money is neither good or bad. It's a neutral tool. And I think somebody mentioned earlier, it's a neutral tool that God has given us to use in this world to make it holier, actually, really, to create tremendous positive impact. We discuss this on the podcast a lot. And I think in, in Chase, the interview with Chase Salvin became very, very apparent, apparent, right? And so obviously, as I've said many times, some of us can do that we can elevate money and we can use it for a tremendous positive impact. And obviously there's people who don't, right? But it does have tremendous potential, right? And that yet there's nothing inherently good or not good about money, okay? It has tremendous potential and it's up to us to reveal that potential, right? It depends on us and how we use it, which again, starts with the proper perspective. And if we think about something else, it's the fact that the Torah, really Judaism has never been squeamish about talking about money. Like it's actually always been really explicit when it comes to money, to abundance, to wealth. If we look at, well, we can even look at this week's Torah portion, but if we look at the prophets of Israel, right? To uh, One of the prerequisites for prophecy was prosperity, financial prosperity, wealth. The kings of Israel, David, Shaul, Solomon, Israel, right? The temple, the tabernacle and the temple, they both had what? Exquisite craftsmanship, gold, silver, the beauty, everything was so pristine and, 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 and precious, right? We, the Jewish people, what were we given in that covenant between God and, and Abraham, the first Jew? We were given a promise of wealth, that promise of wealth upon coming out of, of Egypt. We're, we're, we're in this, it's, this is now in the, in the Torah portions of last week and this week, right? We're coming out of Egypt. We're coming out of Egypt with the wealth to elevate the wealth, right? Abraham and Sarah, going back to Abraham and Sarah became very wealthy people also on their own right. So we, if we even look at this week's, it's, it's so incredible how divine providence works. I wasn't thinking of talking about this, but we left Egypt with tremendous amount of wealth. We crossed the Red Sea, obtaining even a greater amount of wealth. And if we think about it, what did we need all that wealth for? It's actually quite crazy because 
we weren't buying clothes. We weren't going to go to Nordstrom. We were having our clothes lunder for us. We weren't buying, buying cars, vehicles, because the clouds of glory were transporting us, right? What in the world did we need all that wealth for? Well, obviously, we know, right? There was a spiritual purpose to that wealth. There's a much higher purpose to, for that wealth. It was to build the house of God in this world. So, and really, this is, this is not just talking about a physical house of God. This is an eternal message. We have to understand this. All of the, all of the, the Torah's messages are eternal. This is a lesson we carry till today. The money was, you know, we could say it was built to build that, that home in terms of that tabernacle and that temple. But really, that's what you and I do each and every single day. What are we doing every day and everything that we're doing? We're supposed to be making a dwelling place for God in this world with each and every one of our actions. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We're here to reveal this pres- his presence, God's presence. And obviously, one of the many ways we do this is through our money. So we're saying here, this is so, so crucial. We're saying money in Judaism is something with an immense spiritual potential. And we can take it a step further and we can see that that's exactly how we perform the mitzvot, right? And I'm not just talking about charity, which we'll talk about again tomorrow. And it's the epitome of how we elevate money, but I'm talking about everything else. You want to put mezuzot in your house. You want to bring holiness into your house. You want to keep kosher. We want to educate our children. We want to clothe ourselves. We want to feed our guests. We want to feed our families. All of these things that we are, that are in the blueprint of our life require something called money. It's that tool. It's that resource. And God says, you're aligned with me. Great. Are you ready to make this world a holier place and a home for the divine? Then here you go. Here's a resource that you're going to need for that task. We're getting this. So, so important. So is money a means or an end? Tell me in the chat. Is money a means or an end? So fascinating. Thank you, Asi. I'm so happy you're here. So happy you're here. Money, a means or an end? Let's see in the chat. A means, never, exactly. Never, never the end. It's a means, right? It's a means. It's never the end. And here's something else really super important. And we'll dive into this a little bit more on day three or four. I'm not sure. Not limited, guys. Unlike what everybody else might think, or many people might think, and Blanca, you're going to love this part. It's like your favorite part. Money is not limited because, get this, the source of the money, God, is not limited. The source of the money is not the Federal Reserve Bank. (laughs) It's not the economies. It's not the president. It's not the stock market. It's not the advances in technology. All of those are natural means through which the money might flow, might be generated, but they're just the tools. They're the mediums or the emissaries that the creator, God Almighty, uses to channel that money into the world. The source of the flow of money into the world in general and, and into each and every individual in particular is God Almighty. Therefore, it's not limited, right? And this is going to mean two things in your life, two really, really, really important things. Number one, just because one person has, get this, doesn't mean that another person won't get. It just doesn't work like that way. I always tell my students, it does, it's not like a piece of cake, 
If I take a piece of cake, then there's less cake for you. It just doesn't work like that way. It's in fact, everybody gets their own piece of cake. There's no reason. There's no competition. There's absolutely no competition for resource for that resource. There's no reason to be jealous. Every single individual has a portion assigned to them and they are not taking from somebody else and nobody else is taking from them. Yes. Great. I'm so happy, Hannah. Very positive and reassuring. Yes. This is what we're all about here. Okay. So that's, that's one thing we need to get. Also connected to this idea of the source of not being limited, right? Not only that, not only that everybody gets and nobody can take from you, but that God has infinite ways to send his creations that money to serve him, right? He has an abundance of money and he has an abundance of ways to make it available to us. He's not lacking in anything. In fact, he can get pretty creative, a lot more creative than you and I, right? We get, I mentioned earlier before, like we get so stuck in the how, well, how is this going to be? It's like, let's get out of God's department, God's business, Right? How many times does it happen that you think it's going to come through a certain client and all of a sudden, I don't know, there's like an insurance claim that you weren't expecting and the money came that way, right? There's infinite possibilities. We are not, we, 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 we're not there and we don't need to be there. That's part of the message. We don't need to be there. We don't need to be in the how, right? So. I have a lot more to tell you about money, but I'm going to leave it for later because I really want to do another exercise with you here. Okay. So. Let's just wrap that part up with saying, okay, so it's a means. We need money to serve God in the world, to make this world a better place. We need the money to do the mitzvot, to do everything we need to do here, to actualize our potential in this world, to create that impact. We're going to need that resource. And thus, God makes sure to provide it for us, right? All right. And by the way, if one of you is thinking, oh, not really, like, where is the money? How come he doesn't send it to me? I want, I want you to, I want you to hold that thought there and maybe and notice it. And perhaps after five days, you'll, you'll have a little bit of a different uh, perspective. Okay. So we have this relationship. It's inescapable. We can't escape it. It's unavoidable. We need this resource. It's a, just like the relationship we have with our body. We have a body. We're a soul with a body. Okay. So we have also a relationship with this resource and for good reason. It's not like a necessary evil kind of thing. It's actually because it's going to advance our mission in this world, our work in this world. Okay. We need it to fulfill our job of improving the world. Okay. So now that we recognize that that is it. We have to also recognize that that relationship that we currently have with money, um, which maybe we want to describe as a little bit rocky. Yeah, somebody that that it. I think I saw that before. Okay, that somewhat uh, relationship was shaped from what we learned in our home of origin. And not necessarily that we learn these things or not necessarily this added to this perspective wasn't necessarily modeled for us, right? And again, not to anybody's fault. It's kind of like part of the, the world, the exile world, okay? So from our home of origin, from our primary caregivers, really, I just actually wrote a column. I'll post it in the chat. It came out today about parenting and money. I'll post it later. I'll, I'll tell Justina to remind me because it's fascinating. Um, but let's do this exercise because we got we to gotta get this part, Okay. There's a ton that we learn from our parents, our primary caregivers. So I want you to take pen and paper and I want us to do something. I want you to divide your paper in half. Yes, Marcy, no playing God. Okay. So let's, here, I'm going to do it. Let's divide our paper in half and let's have half of our paper be one of our primary caregivers and the other one 
our other primary caregiver, or if maybe one person only raised us, maybe it was our mother alone, maybe it was a mother and a father, maybe it was a grandparent, maybe it was, you know, an aunt and uncle, whoever our primary caregivers were, okay? Um, you know, and if it was two, then those two, let's have them on a piece of paper, you can even do a stick figure if you want for mom and for that, <laughs> or mother, da- mother, dad, or grandfather, or, you know, grandmother, whatever it was, right? And here's what I want you to write. Under each of these two individuals or one individual, whoever your primary caregiver was, okay? Maybe it was mother and stepfather, whatever it was. I want you to write, let's do it now together. Again, this is for you. What was their role with the money? What was their role? Were, were, were they the administrator? Were they the spender? Were they the sa- saver? Were, what, what, what do you remember that role being? That's one thing I want you to write. I want you to write, this might be even better, like might advance you to get to the answer of the first question. It's what did they say about money? What did they, what did you hear? Did you hear them say, oh, don't ever worry about it? Did you hear them say it, it doesn't grow on trees? Um, you know, what did, you know, I'm, I'm not paying for Con Edison, you know, turn off the lights. What, 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 did, what did you hear this? What, were, what was being said? Again, we're talking about our primary caregivers. What did you hear them say? What was their role? How did they behave with it? You know, I have students who, who shared with me, like their mother would take them shopping and then she would say, hide the bags, don't let your father see them, right? And that the father was always worried about money. So, so what were those things? Like, what would, what did they be, how did they behave with money? What did they say? What was their role? We're basically getting to what did you see from those primary caregivers? Don't spend if you don't have, which could be a really good lesson, right, Nicole? Don't spend if you don't have. Okay. So I want you to write those things for yourself and notice what comes up for you. I'm going to give you a minute. Thank you, Justina, for posting those. Amazing. Yeah, I don't own the electrical. Co- I don't own Con Edison. I don't know the. I don't own the electrical company. Don't live outside your harvest. Fascinating again. Good, Assy. I'm so happy. I'm so happy you're enjoying. I'm not married to Con Edison. There you go. <laughs> so I want you to look now at your paper, and I want you to breathe. Take a deep breath. And look at those two little stick figures if you did them or the, you know, mom, dad, or whatever you did. And then your answers, just take a deep breath. And I want you to notice what you can and choose to be grateful for. What lessons over there you think, oh, maybe, you know, maybe that served me. Maybe that's something that I want to keep around. Right. And also the things that you notice that they didn't serve you that are part of a belief system that you don't want to carry around with you anymore, you know? And how about we choose to forgive that, right? How about we acknowledge that our parents did the best they could. They were also influenced by this hard, dark, dark exile and the cultures and views of the world. And they may have communicated or modeled, you know, messages or roles that didn't serve us now in adulthood, but that they really did the best they could. We can forgive. I know we can. We're Jewish. We can do that. It's hard, but we can do it. And it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't mean we do it now, but at least let's say we, I can forget that's a process. And I always talk about this with my students, right? It's, it's a process, not like flipping a light switch, but how about we do that? Right now, here's another thing that I want to leave you with. This is a really important thing about our money story. Okay. 
not only did we learn a ton from those two primary caregivers or that one primary caregiver, but there's something that happened very early on in our lives that is really, really telling. And it's our earliest money memory. I'm going to tell you mine and I'm going to tell you what what the result of that may have been, okay? This is really a memory that goes back to maybe when you're six, seven, eight years old. Sometimes it's hard to uncover that. But really at that age, we may have experienced something and we may have made a decision about money that really shaped how we ended up behaving with money. I'll tell you my earliest money memory. When I was about seven years old, my parents sent me on a trip from Puerto Rico where I grew up, really, really small island, must have been the early 80s, I went on a trip to Florida, to Miami, Florida, to spend some time with my aunt and with my grandmother, who was from the island, but she was also staying there, but she had gone a little bit ahead of me. So I was spending time with them. So I go to this in this trip. And my grandmother, while my aunt worked, one of the days she took me to one of these big American malls, the likes of which I'd never seen before, never seen such a thing. And we went to, you know, a department store, I don't know, Bloomingdale's, Macy's, whatever it was. And it was the days of guests. You remember guests, right? And there was these guest outfits. And I was a little girl, probably in first grade, maybe second grade. And I saw these guest outfits. And I remember picking these two outfits. And my grandmother's, I, I like, wow, they're so pre- pretty. And, and my grandmother said, do you want to try them on? And I was like, yeah. So I go and I try them on. I'm in the dressing room. And my grandmother then says something that I was so confused about. I remember she says, well, she first says, I try them on. And she starts, says, do you want them? This is how it went. Do you want them? And I said, yeah. And so then she proceeds to say, do you think your mom is going to pay for them? And I was so confused. Can you imagine a seven-year-old? Like, what, what do I know? I was, just, I was just told if I wanted them, I really want them. I think you're buying them for me. I, I, don't, I don't know if my mother's going to pay you for them. I have no idea. And I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> so she went and she paid for my two guest outfits that were probably, you know, a fortune in those days, $80. I, I don't know, whatever it was, right? Whatever it was. So the next thing I know is I come back home. And the next thing I experienced with these two beautiful outfits was a massive, well, what to me now I remember feeling and experiencing as this massive argument, an explosion between these two women who I loved dearly and who I assumed loved me dearly, my mother and my grandmother, my mother being really angry at my grandmother that she bought these expensive outfits that apparently she couldn't afford at the time. And she was now demanding my mother to pay her back. And my grandmother saying, well, how can you not pay them? You're the mother. And my my mother saying, but how can you not pay them? You're the grandmother. So imagine a little girl watching this going on what do you mean I have to pay? You bought them. You never asked me if I, this was before cell phones, right? You never asked me if I could pay for this. What do you mean you're not paying for it? You want money back. Well, what do you mean? You're the mother. Well, what do you mean? You're the grandmother. So I want you to think, what, how did you think I felt? 
how did you think I felt? Put, tell me in the chat. How do you think that little girl is absorbing this, this, this happening right in front of her eyes? Remember, I'm a child. I don't understand the underlying dynamics between these two women. I don't understand what kind of, you know, financial situation they're in or they're not, their communication, their, their, you know, what's behind the relationship. I have no idea, right? I felt confused. I felt guilty. Yes, Ellen, guilty, ashamed, responsible, ashamed, right? And what decision do you think, panic, I made about money at that early, early age? What decision do you think I could have made about money? And I think what I've been able to uncover is if they loved me, they would pay for it. Those who pay for things love people. Money and love are connected, right? Money causes fights or paying for things can cause fights. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I'm not worthy of expensive things. Nobody's going to pay for them, right? Or I'm making these two women who love, who I love fight. Maybe even, I hadn't thought about this actually. But maybe even I'm selfish for wanting things, unworthy, Danya, right? And how do you think this impacted my adult life? So see, we start putting the pieces together, right? So in my adult life, what I then started to see is patterns that now I understand sort of where they can come from. Shopping made me feel really, really good. It made me feel better. It made me feel really loved, right? And even if it's irresponsible and it incurs debt, and if debt, and then if the debt makes me feel bad, well, I'll do more shopping because that's love. And if you have, you're loved, right? And it makes you feel better, right? Buying things is love. And how about later on in your marriage? Oh, and by the way, if there was something like, you know, I'm not worthy, then, you know, I have to try to feel fill that void. But what about marriage? It's so complex later. Yes, it's so complex, Shana. Later on in marriage, you're in a relationship. And what if my husband suggested that something could not be purchased at the moment? Who do you think came out? That little wounded seven-year-old girl who's not loved, right? Whose loved ones won't pay for the things that they that they could pay for or not. I don't know. Right. And that's not very rational. And that's not very healthy for a marriage or for an individual. So you see where I'm coming with this? This earliest money memory is really, really critical to uncover. And it's really part of our big part of our money story, although our money story is a little bit more layers and more complexity involves our caregivers and what we learn from them and the earliest money memory. And there's other layers to this. But this is one of those things that I wanted to share with you, but because I think you'll have a lot of aha moments if you really can, can get it. I have, you know, I've had. Barbara Stanley on the show, who's the person who taught me this, she had her earliest money memory was, you know, her mother's reaction when she was four years old, when she asked how much money does daddy give you? And her mother made such a face as though money is not something we talk about ever. And that's exactly what she did. She never talked about it. And by consequence, she literally handed over her fortune to a husband who blew it up. You can listen to the episode on the podcast. It's absolutely fascinating, but there's so much here. I wanted to tell you a story also about another student of mine, very cool story, but maybe we'll leave it for another day because I also want us to start wrapping up and I want to leave you with the homework. But 
all until now, are we are we starting to get this? Are we starting to get that there is a lot, a lot here? Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. So we, you know, even if we love what I said about Judaism and money before, right? And I know we did because it's awesome. How could we not love these, these ideas? It's such an amazing perspective. And we want to behave as though we really believe that there's nothing shameful or wrong with money. It's, it's a wonderful tool and I'm here to utilize it and God is here to give it to me. And, and we trust that, that God has it available for me and that it's illimited, that I, it can come to me in many, many ways and I'm deserving of it and all the things. We, we get this and we want to believe it. We still might be programmed to behave according to some other opposing beliefs. Okay. Yes, we got this. All right. So we got to start internalizing this perspective, but it begins with awareness of what we're up against. So what we're going to do for homework today, and again, I want to see you here tomorrow because we're really, really getting into a hot topic tomorrow, but here's what I want for the homework. Okay. Justina's going to post it in the group. I want you to, and some of you, I saw started to write it. Number one, I want you to write your earliest money memory. And I know it might be hard and it might not come to you right away. The first time I did this exercise, I only got to an experience I had in like fifth grade where I was selling some markers. I'll tell you about it maybe another time. Okay. But eventually a few hours later, I was, I don't know, on a walk and I finally, the memory from that trip came back to me. So I want you to try to write that earliest money memory as early as you can get in full, full detail, what you were wearing, where you were, who was there, what was, what was the environment? What, what were you hearing? And I want you to describe it in full color and write what decision do you think you made about money at that early age? Okay, that's number one. Number two, yes, Hannah, I saw it. I want you to list three to five things that you see in your primary caregiver's role that you're either grateful for or you want to forgive and heal. And it might be a combination of both. I bet you there is a both, okay? Or it might be just one area, okay? It might be just all the things that I want to forgive and heal, okay? But there might some maybe some things there that I'm really grateful for. So I want you to at least find three to five things that you can share that you can really recognize that, okay, I, 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 I want to forgive this, okay? What we're going to do is we're going to either take a picture of the answers, we're going to submit it in the homework thread, or we could just type our answers in the homework thread. Justina's going to post the homework and we just enter our homework there, either by picture or by just actually typing it in. And we're going to do that by 10 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow. And then everybody who submits their homework by then is going to be entered into a raffle. And we're going to raffle the prize tomorrow. I think we're getting either a super cute journal from Leamando. I don't know if you're here, but you make these awesome journals. Thank you, Hashem Journal, that I thought was great because we're talking about journaling today. Or an Amazon gift card. So that's our prize for tomorrow. Remember to do it every day. We're going to be picking a winner, raffling prices. There's going to be a grand winner also at the end of the five days. And tomorrow, seriously, we're going to dive into something super, super actionable. That is, I think, by far the thing that I get asked the most 
most on one of the top secrets. So today, secret number one, we have a relationship. It's not a necessary evil kind of relationship. It's a wonderful, beautiful relationship. We have to acknowledge it and we have to have the Jewish, the proper Jewish perspective. Tomorrow, let's dive in into really, really practical thing that is going to, again, really change things for us. Okay. Are we good? Yes. We're going to post the replay. We're going to send it to everybody. Love you guys. Have an awesome day. It was amazing to be here with you and I will see you tomorrow and be sure to post that homework. And if you have any questions, tag me or tag your mentors. We are here to help. We are here to make sure that you have the most amazing five-day experience. Okay. Bye guys. Love you. Take care. See you later.